suicide prevention doesn't have to be when somebody's got a gun to their head and you take that gun out of their hand. Uh, suicide prevention is having a conversation with somebody when they have thoughts or supporting them and being there in their lives and they never have the thoughts. That's real suicide prevention. Suicide prevention doesn't have to be at the end of the road. It can be early on. Hey, welcome back to Normalize the Conversation. Today, I'm here with Joshua Donaldson, mental health advocate and founder of When the Music Stops. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on, Fran. Of course. I am so excited because I love what you're doing. I think that it's so important that we are focused on suicide prevention, that we focus on letting people that they're, know that they're not alone. So can you tell us more about When the Music Stops and what inspired you to start the nonprofit? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for asking. Um, when the, so I was in the music and entertainment industry for a really long time, uh, close to 20 years. And um, for me personally, it was I was always, uh, I wasn't necessarily feeling grounded or taking care of myself. I it was always about the, the next concert, the next event, the next show, um, the next country, the next city. I was always on tour. I was always traveling. Something was happening. You know, everything was going on. And I wasn't really listening to my body. And I wasn't really taking care of my mind and my spirit. And at a certain point of time of feeding my soul, if you will, um, feeding my soul a lot of dopamine, a lot of stimulation, um, you know, uh, vacations and pretty girls and, you know, all these different things, um, not necessarily taking care of my, my mental well-being. Um, I ended up uh, in the very beginning of 2019, I, I, I burned out and I had a breakdown. And in that time period, I uh, attempted to take my life in a very severe way. And I technically, medically speaking, shouldn't be here. Um, but I'm here and I survived. And in 2019, I, um, I got help and I got sober and I spent time in a facility, um, 
taking a look in the in the mirror, looking at uh, childhood traumas, looking at um, you know what I was doing with my life, where I was, what the stability was, what was the input, what was I feeding, um, where was my spiritual growth, my spiritual connection, where was my nutrition, every little thing, you know. Um, I, I, I um, and in that process, I came up with the idea of uh, well, you know, what happens for everybody when the music stops. And for me, it was literal. Uh, I came from the music industry and it was now over. Um, what does that look like? But I, the term when the music stops, for me, I want it to be ambiguous. I want it to mean whatever it means to you. Um, so there's no, my, there's my interpretation of what it meant to me. But if you just lost your job and now you don't know what's next, when the music stops. Um, if you're going through a really bad breakup, you know, and you don't know what to do and you're feeling alone and you're going through anxiety and these pains of isolation or what have you, when the music stops. Um, so it could be losing your job. It could be feeling burned out. It could be the party's over. Maybe you are trying to get sober. Maybe you're, uh, you know, you're feeling overwhelmed. You just got out of college and you have all these loans to pay and you don't know where you, what you're going to do when the music stops. You know what I mean? So, for me, I want it to be whatever it means to you. So it doesn't need to be the music industry. Um, it can be whatever you're going through. And when, when that ends, what are we left with? Where are we and, and what support systems do we have? And what's our mental defense to help us from breakdowns and suicide attempts and dark thoughts? I love that so much. I think when the music stops can really be interpreted in so many different ways. For me, when I hear that, I think about that moment of silence when all of a sudden you're not surrounded by your friends or your family members and you're home alone and maybe you're getting ready to go to bed and all of a sudden it's like you're alone with your thoughts. When the music stops, when the world is no longer running around you and you're not in the center of it, what do you do? And a lot of people struggle in that moment. What do we do? Because we weren't taught that. There was no time in school that was like, what do you do when you're feeling upset? What do you do when you're feeling stressed? What do you do when it feels like the world's ending around you? No one taught us that. So I think that this um, organization that you created and the initiatives that you created can really make a big difference in that space. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> that, that I'm honored and uh, your words mean a lot to me. Um, for me, when I was healing and going through my growth period, um, I did a, a 90 day program and I stayed for a year. Um, I just, uh, I was done. I, I had, you know, lived in Las Vegas, lived in Spain, you know, lived in New York, lived in Los Angeles. And that life was wonderful. It was a lot of fun, but it wasn't healthy and it wasn't sustainable. And so now a 90 day program wasn't enough. You know, I had been, um, living a certain kind of lifestyle for a really long time. So I needed to take a deep, long look in the mirror. And in that process, I was able to start studying suicide statistics. And I was really overwhelmed to find out that since 1999, the numbers have gone up every year. And from 2007 to 2017, this is all pre-pandemic, it had gone up uh, in young, like 10, 10 to 24-year-olds, it had gone up like 56%. And I was like, wait a minute, what? You know, I'm a little bit older than um, a lot of uh, the When the Music Stops followers. And uh, so for me to be able to have 
this mental breakdown, you know, in, I don't want to say midlife, but, you know, at, at a certain point after a long, illustrious career, it makes a little bit of more sense for me. So I started to look into it and I was thinking like, well, wait a minute, you know, there's younger and, and I realized there was high schoolers and then middle schoolers and even younger. And it just broke my heart. And I started to look into um, the analysis of what the mental health and suicide prevention industry is. And there's a lot of incredible companies out there. I'm sorry, organizations out there that have been doing a lot of really good for decades, 30, 40, 50 years. Um, and there's a couple that I really feel strongly uh, kinship with. You know, the Trevor Project is incredible for the LGBTQTIA communities. Um, and also to write love on her arms and they go to music festivals and they're really cool. They've been around for about 15, 16 years, but I, I come from, you know, the dance music background, you know, I, uh, I toured with some of the biggest dance music DJs in the world and EDC is every year I went to EDC. And, and so a lot of my friends, and a lot of people I know, we're going to dance music festivals and we're going to nightclubs and doing all this stuff. So I don't want to tell people you can't do that anymore. So I wanted to provide an organization that is here for you and supports you on your mental health journey, but also understands you're going to go, you know, to EDC, you're going to go to, um, you know, whatever the Coachella, you're going to go to these big music festivals. So we have a little bit of a different lifestyle than some of these other organizations are used to. So I wanted to provide an organization that is understanding, hey, we know that you're going to be, you know, you're going to Ibiza or something, but how do you take care of yourself? But, and it's not just the people that are going to EDC or going to Ibiza, you know what I mean? It, it also is in the people that are in the Midwest of the United States um, that are feeling isolated. You know, maybe you just got graduated uh, college and you've got, you know, 60, 50, $80,000 in student loans and you can't get a job and you move back to your town and you're with your parents and, and you're working at, you know, Walmart or Starbucks or, or Best Buy and you're feeling overwhelmed. So it's not just about the active music lovers that are going to that. It's also about uh, those of you that are, are you know, people that are, are going through pain and we want to be able to be supportive and be there for everyone. So we want to do the best our can to try to be an alternative um, I love all the options and all the organizations that are out there, but we just want to do things a little bit different and find new ways to have these conversations and new ways to look at our mental health, because maybe some of the old ways don't resonate with everyone. What I love most about what you're doing is, you know, like you said, you were going to all these amazing events and kind of living the life that from the outside looking in, it would seem like a dream, like that perfect life that a lot of people you see in movies, right? And a lot of people wouldn't realize that you could have everything in the world going for you and it seems like everything's perfect and you can still fall apart. And what you're doing is creating a space for anyone who feels that way, who has had everything or who has had just so much pain and not isolating them. I think mental health is so isolating or mental health conditions are very isolating. And a lot of times when it comes with sobriety, that takes away from being able to go to concerts and music festivals and feeling a little more uncomfortable being there because you're surrounded by people who are not uh, sober as well. So being able to have that space where it's like, you can still do all the things you love and promote your mental wellness. 
is just something that no one else has done or thought of. And I think this is going to be a game changer for so many people. Thank you for saying that. Um, Somebody might have thought of it. Somebody might be doing it on some capacity, but I appreciate your words. And we're trying to be an alternative. Um, You know, we don't want to be, we want to work in partnership with the biggest organizations. We would love for them to teach us some of the lessons that they've learned over the years. Um, But we want to do things a little bit differently. There's a a new music festival organization called Blended. I've got to give them a little bit of a shout out. Uh, I just got off a a really long call with them a minute ago. And um, they're doing music festivals, uh, EDM, country music, and urban. It's it's everything. It's a little bit of country, a little bit of dance music, a little bit of uh, hip hop. Um, and they're they're in Nashville, Tennessee in August. Um, I think right after this is airing, uh, August 13th and 14th. And then uh, Austin, Texas, and then San Diego. And they came to us early on and asked us to be their wellness partner. So what we're doing is, and this is our core This is what we want to be doing. We're going to be providing a When the Music Stops wellness experience at all of their music festivals where we're going to have a tent where you can come check in with us. You can come do a mental check-in. We're going to be providing uh, yoga and meditation and sound healing and speakers. Um, We're bringing in some veterans that that also go to festivals and hang out and everything like that. We've got uh, a friend of ours who's uh, uh, an ex-Navy SEAL. We have a friend of ours who's uh, a Marine. And they're coming to talk about resilience, lessons on resilience from military veterans. So we're going to do a When the Music Stops tent. So you're at the festival. You're listening to your favorite DJ. Maybe you're having a little bit of anxiety. Maybe your friend's you know, let's just hypothetical here. Maybe your friends are partying. Maybe you don't want to party. Maybe you're feeling a little anxiety. Maybe you're going through, uh, you're with your partner or your significant other, and you're going through a little bit of a tiff, you know, um, you know, obviously drugs and alcohol can create a lot of emotions. Um, and you know, you just don't want to leave the festival, but you're, you're going through it. That's where you can come talk to us. You can come take a break, come for an hour, sit down, do a meditation. We want to do art therapy classes. We want to do healing through music, you know, so we're really excited to bring um, new ways of having it. We don't want mental health to be so dreary. It doesn't always have to be like you're on the couch with the, with the uh, therapist that's like smoking the pipe and got the notebook and, and like, tell me about your problems. It doesn't always have to be about that. You can come do a meditation with us. You can come tell us about your day. Give us a hug, you know, barring COVID, uh, you know, um, whatever it is. And, and uh, that's, we, it's all about connection and community. When the music stops more than anything, we're building a community that supports each other. And we understand what we're going through. You know, we come from all different races, all different genders, all different backgrounds, all different, you know. And, but the one thing that we have in common is, you know, we have tough days. You know, you don't have to be Uh, diagnosed with uh, hypomania like I am or bipolar disorder to be able to have a day where you're struggling you know and that can still be when the music stops and we hope to be somebody who's supportive of that journey. I absolutely admire everything that you guys are doing and I think that's incredible because you said there can still be so much going on in your life while you're at this music festival, while you're there. So to be able to have a place where you can step aside and give someone a hug or meditate or do some yoga or some sound healing or something to just kind of ground yourself in the moment and release some of that anxiety, release some of that tension is so, so powerful. 
That is absolutely incredible. And you also have your own summit coming up soon. It is going to be before this airs, but can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, yeah. So uh, since this is airing afterwards, I'm going to say it was amazing. It was great. (laughs) No, but um, yeah. So obviously uh, before this airs, but uh, after we're speaking right now, um, we're really excited. So during uh, quarantine and COVID last year, um, there, I was in Florida in a facility and a lot of my friends and families were uh, in the Bay Area, um, were struggling and going through a lot. And so I took out a small business loan. I came back to San Francisco and I threw um, a small mental health summit. And we had a nurse there. We were doing testing. We were social distanced, you know. So, um, and it was incredible. Um, Some of the speakers zoomed in. Some of the speakers were in person, depending on comfortability. And it was just amazing. And we were able to bring 60 people together um, in the middle of quarantine when everyone was scared and didn't know what was going on, didn't know what was going to happen and didn't know if they were going to die. We were able to bring each other together and ground each other. Um, we did breath work, we did meditation, we learned about the community. And so this year, um, I decided to go a little bit bigger. Um, this year, I have uh, rented the historic Cal Theater at the Fort Mason Center um, in San Francisco. It's on the water on Pier 2. And it's going to be incredible. This year, we're going to have speakers and DJs and musical performances. And we'll, I want to provide the stage for people to have really amazing conversations. So we're bringing some people from the music industry. We're bringing some uh, rad DJs. And we have incredible uh, medical professionals and mental health advocates. Um, a shout out to, uh, I think, a mutual friend of ours and Britt Bronson. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so Britt is coming to speak. And um, she is a huge uh, inspiration and she's an incredible mental health advocate. Um, We've got performers. We've, it's just, we're trying to find a way to create this new conversation, you know, and we want to have these summits to where it's, you know, you might be learning about suicide uh, prevention, but at the same time, it's uplifting. You know what I mean? It doesn't need to be dreary. It's like we're celebrating life. We're coming together. We're coming out of our depression. And, you know, I still struggle, too. I just had a really rough weekend this past weekend, but I'm here right now on the phone with you holding space. And, you know, and we want to be able to to grow this community. We've got long term plans. Um, uh, So this is our second anniversary. We're doing this beautiful big theater. And then uh, next year we hope to do uh, this year's one day. Uh, and one night next year, we hope to do two days and two nights. And then um, in 24 months, in two years from now, which sounds like a lot, but it's not, it'll, it'll fly by. Um, we're hoping to do a week long summit of uh, four days of conferences and talks and like TED style talks um, and speakers, mental health. Let's talk about what's the impact of social media on our mental health. Um, well, let's talk about how culture affects mental health. Um, let's talk about uh, mental health and communities of color. Um, let's all these and bring in the appropriate professionals. You know, we have some incredible um, African-American doctors of psychology that are coming to educate us on what that looks like and how to have those conversations or how to be understanding of our friends that possibly are in uh, different communities than we were raised. Um, and then with there's obviously got to be a musical com- component. So we're hoping to have you know, after parties and events and DJs and bands and all kinds of fun stuff. So music in the evening, summit during the day, 
and then also um, a live element of music in between all the speakers. So we're really excited. I absolutely love that so much. Shout out to Brett. She is absolutely incredible. And I love that she's going to be one of your speakers. And I can't wait for next year because I'm totally going to be there next year. Yes, you are. But that is so, so true that mental health, suicide prevention, mental health conditions, mental illness, none of it has to be so dreary. It doesn't have to be depressing and sad and scary and taboo. It doesn't have to be any of that. It can be a normal, fun conversation. It can be an event where you just learn and educate yourself, where you get to understand yourself in a different way. It can be a positive thing. And I think a lot of times we don't look at it that way. So people don't want to have these conversations. Yeah. Why should I have a conversation if it feels like it's going to be sad and depressing? Or it might give people ideas. I think that's another thing a lot of people say. And being able to create this space where it's a normal conversation. It's a celebration. Like you said, a celebration of life. Yeah. I think that's really going to change the way that people approach conversations. Well, we really hope so. You know, um, I think that the more that we talk about it, the more that it gets normalized. We want it to just be normal. Um, and people sometimes don't understand what that means. And uh, there was a time, a long, not too long ago, a few decades ago, whatever, where you couldn't talk about suicide at the dinner table. Um, you know, if your Uncle John married have taken his life, you know, Grandma didn't want to hear his name ever again. We didn't talk about what happened. You know, there was shame put on that. And so now by removing the shame, we can talk about it. Um, one, to cope with maybe if we're grieving for a loss and trying to understand what happened, but also in understanding our own thoughts and feelings and know that they're okay to have them. You know, I might have a suicidal ideation or have suicidal allergy and might have suicidal thoughts, but because I'm talking about them instead of hiding them and putting them in this little box, um, it makes it easier for me to be like, wow, I had some suicidal thoughts over the weekend you know, what can I do? And is there a community that understands? Um, you know, we don't have, it doesn't mean that you're acting on it. Just because you have suicidal thoughts doesn't mean that it's going to turn into a suicidal attempt. And hopefully by speaking about it more and creating this supportive and an incredible community, we can learn ways to support each other with those thoughts, you know, and be understanding. You know, I think that right now there's a lot of people out there that might have suicidal thoughts and are scared to come forward and talk about it. But if we can provide a safe space and, a, you know, start to have these conversations more in society, then more people will be able to be like, hey, I'm having these really dark thoughts and it's okay. You're not going to be labeled. You're not going to be, you know, put into a box. You're not going to be, you know, like, oh, you know, it's not a shameful thing. These are realities. Um, and how do we deal with them? You know, like, okay, let's take a look at it. You know, our job is to listen to what you're going through and be supportive of that. And if you want to tell you a little bit about what we're going through, we can also connect you with medical professionals who could take a look at your life and say, okay, well, hey, maybe it's your nutrition. Maybe it's, you know, what's going on? What's causing you stress? What's causing you anxiety? Is it financial insecurity? Is it a lack of exercise? You know, because like for me, when I get into work mode, I don't exercise. I don't eat. You know what I mean? And then I start to have anxieties. Then I start to get suicidal thoughts. And so I know that when I'm moving or I'm walking every day, or I'm jogging, or I'm going on a hike, or I'm spending time in nature, and I'm eating organic foods, 
those thoughts don't happen so often. And it's funny to tie them in with that, but it, it's true. That's a very good point you bring up that a lot of people are struggling with suicidal thoughts. Most people will experience suicidal thoughts at some point in their lifetime and a lot of times didn't even realize it. Suicidal thoughts aren't specifically just, I want to die or I want to harm myself or I want to end my life. It can also be feeling not good enough, feeling like a burden, feeling like you're all alone and no one understands you, like you have nowhere to turn. It's a lot deeper than the standard I want to end my life. And I think that's what a lot of people think suicidal thoughts are. So when they start having these thoughts of, I'm not good enough, I don't deserve to be here, I'm a burden, they don't connect that. Those are thoughts that need to be expressed, that need to be explored instead of stuffed aside inside. But instead, we just continuously suppress them until they build up till it's a point where it's very overwhelming. And if we normalize the conversation around mental health conditions around suicide, around suicidal thoughts, and let people know that, you know what, you are experiencing thoughts of suicide, but it's okay because you're not alone in it. And there are things you can do. This is not the end of the road for you. This is not, you're not a coward. You're not weak. You're not any, there's nothing wrong with you. A lot of us experience it. And there's so many amazing tools and resources out there that can get you through it. And I think that's really just a sign of hope for so many people. And that's essentially what you're providing is a sign of hope to everyone who attends. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. Uh, you're really good with your words. And thank you. Yeah, no, what you just described should be the Webster de- definition of suicide prevention. Um, there is a, a, something that I say pretty frequently, and it's not that suicide prevention doesn't have to be when somebody's got a gun to their head and you take that gun out of their hand. Uh, suicide prevention is having a conversation with somebody when they have thoughts or supporting them and being there in their lives and they never have the thoughts. That's real suicide prevention. Suicide prevention doesn't have to be at the end of the road. It can be early on. What if you're a kid in middle school and you get to learn about suicide prevention or learn about anxiety or learn about depression or learn about spending time in nature or learn about you know breath work or any of these tools? And then later on when you're in college and you get out of school and you don't know what to do, um, before you have suicidal thoughts, you can think back to some of the tools that you have in your toolkit and you're like, do some breath work do a grounding meditation, go spend some time in nature, go camping, whatever it is. And that right there is suicidal, uh, suicide prevention. And maybe you never have those thoughts. The best email that we could ever get um, is not necessarily the emails that we do get about how you really helped me through this hard time. We cherish those emails, but the best email that we could get is not an email at all. Um, and that means that somebody got what they needed before they ever got to the point that I got to. I love that so much because that's so relatable that, you know what, in life, we're all going to hit so many stress points. We are going to lose jobs. We're going to lose relationships. We could lose parents, family members, friends. There are so many stressors that are going to happen around us. No one's going to avoid grief forever. No one's going to avoid pain. No one's going to avoid that feeling of, abandonment or loneliness because things happen in life and it is it's amazing and it's beautiful because you can't have the good without the bad so as terrible it is as it is to have all that pain and all that grief that comes with life it's so beautiful 
But if we learn how to cope with it beforehand, it'll make such an amazing, amazing difference. Right now, we wait until you're at that point where you're grieving and you don't know how to grieve, where life knocks you down and you don't know what to do. We wait till that point, till people fall apart before we're like, let's help you. And it's not, let's grab my hand and let me lift you up. It's, I'll throw you a life raft and walk away. And that's kind of where we live right now. And I think by starting these conversations, by providing the tools and resources, by helping people build that emotional coping toolbox, it really can help save their lives and hopefully save lives of people that could have, like God forbid, gone down a dark path because now they have those tools before life hit them because life is going to hit us. And it shouldn't be focusing on getting back up after you're hit, but being able to just carry on. And I think that's where the difference is between the suicide prevention that we have now and the suicide prevention that you're creating. We are creating because a lot of the work that you're doing in your organization and a lot of the work that you and I have talked about that you're already doing is uh, is right on par with the things that we're doing. And it's different than some of the other bigger organizations are having. And so, you know, you inspire us and what we're doing because you have a voice and right now you're using your voice to highlight uh, my organization and my voice, but at the same time, um, we're doing this work together. We can't do it alone. It's not just about when the music stops saving the world. It's about you and your radio show and your nonprofit and the coloring workbook that you've created and all these incredible things that you've done. Those are suicide prevention. Um, absolutely. And, and together, um, we can create a new narrative for the younger generations or just the new generations, because a lot, I don't want to put anyone down, but a lot of the people that are in mental health uh, industry and community have been thinking about it the same way for a really long time. And I think that the wants and needs of the mental health um, individual has changed and evolved. You know what I mean? I think that a therapist you know, uh, who's been doing therapy for a really long time might not know how to talk to somebody that has an active lifestyle and goes to uh, a music festival every single weekend, you know, Um, they might see that as a form of escapism, but you know what, that might be a shuffle dancer, it might be somebody who loves dancing every weekend, and that's their platform, and that's healing, you know, so there's new ways that we're, we're creating a new dynamic of understanding in the mental health industry, um, you and myself and Britt Bronson and so many others um, are creating this new narrative. And we commend the people that have done this uh, mental health and suicide prevention work before us. But it takes us to create these new conversations and new understandings to be able to, number one, help ourselves and help each other, um, but also to help the, uh, the kid that might be you know, going through something different than um, a lot of the industry is used to. Exactly. And like you said, there are so many amazing organizations out there that have been around for so many years and they're using the same tactics, but the world has changed. And that's something that we need to keep in consideration, keep in our minds that the world is constantly changing and evolving. As different generations have come and gone, you've seen new trends, new Social media, let's talk about social media. That wasn't here before. That's Gen Z grew up with social media. Millennials didn't. 
the generations above did it, but we haven't adjusted how we approach mental health since then. We've been doing the same thing. And as the world changes, we need to get in line with it because you can't expect everybody to be reacting and feeling and expressing themselves and suppressing themselves the same way as they were 50 years ago, 100 years ago, even 10 years ago. As the world changes, our approaches need to continue to change. And again, that is what I love about what you're doing because you are taking an approach that is changing to evolve with the way the world is changing and the way that can connect with our nation's youth. Because as we've seen, suicide is the second leading cause of death from age 10 to 35. We need to connect to those people. We can't continue to only connect to the baby boomers. Over, over gun violence and and for every demographic, which is unbelievable because everyone always talks about uh, um, uh, uh, gun, um, gun safety and gun, um, gun control. Um, but not as many people that are talking about gun control are talking about mental health. Um, that's, that's the primary conversation to be having, um, in, in my opinion, but, and just like you said, because in every age demographic suicide is number two. Um, one of the things that you were just talking about is social media. And I, I touched on it earlier, but at our summit, we're going to have a panel. We're going to have this incredible panel that Britt Bronson is actually speaking on, um, so when this conversation will have aired, I will, I will be saying that the panel was amazing. Um, but, um, and it, we're going to talk about and have the, we're going to provide the platform and the space to be able to say, you know, what uh, is the impact of social media um, on our mental health? And we're going to bring in some really big mental uh, so- social media influencers and, and talk to them. How is their, how has it affected their mental health? Because I've got a friend that's coming, he's got 1.5 million followers. Ben Baller, and he's going to speak on, on the panel. But at the same time, are these social media creators and content creators, are they thinking about the mental health of their uh, followers? Are they thinking about the impact that their posts are having on the mental health of others? And we're going to ask these questions. And I've got an incredible doctor of psychology who's going to come and lead the conversation. And I'm just so excited where we're going to bring mental health and social media influencers together to have these discussions and start to think about it. Um, Because when we look at uh, mental decompensation and breakdowns and suicide attempts, it goes right alongside social media. But I don't think that blaming social media um, is going to get us anywhere. Um, All that is is going to isolate us from social media companies and from content creators. So why don't we encompass the conversations and say, hey, let's take a look at it. What can we, what's being done? What is being done that could be adjusted or changed? And, you know, how can we move forward cohesively where social media companies and mental health advocates and educators work in alignment um, to be able to support each other? You know, and maybe with just a little bit of effort, we can have a really big impact. I love that approach so much because we do, we tend to go straight to both social media's fault. It's social media's fault. Social media's done this. Social media's created a world without empathy because we're looking behind the screens. But what does that do for us? What does it do to blame social media? That's not going to change the fact that that's how you connect to the world around you. That is how you connect. So you can't be like, everyone get off social media. We live in a world where technology is amazing. 
And we have the ability to connect with people around the world at our fingertips. And you and I are using the social media to build our communities and to support others. So we definitely can't blame social media for everything. But being showing accountability within social media, that's Mm -hmm. key. And that's what you're going to do by bringing these influencers on, bringing content creators on and having that conversation. Are you thinking about the mental health of others when you post? Are you thinking about how posting all this amazing lavish lifestyle and not posting any of the reality? Downside, yes. Yeah. Are you thinking about how that's affecting someone who's receiving it? Are you thinking about when you post something that might seem funny, but it's actually harmful? Are you thinking about who's receiving it? That is key because that also allows the content creators or the influencers to start educating their audience when you're posting this, when you're writing this, when you're commenting this, are you thinking about how people are receiving it? Because we live in a world where everything's happening behind a screen, especially with COVID and the pandemic, we're all connected through a screen. So we can't see how people are reacting a lot of times. We can't see how they're receiving it. So are we still paying attention to that? Or or has our empathy completely gone away because we're assuming they're receiving it in our tone of voice? But your tone tone of voice and my tone of voice are completely different. The way I mean something, the way I write it and mean it might be completely di- different than the way you write it and mean it. And that's okay, but paying attention to who's receiving it and not how I feel is what's really important. And we're not going to get everyone to get on board with that, but if we can start having that conversation and it starts with just 10% of content creators are now thinking about uh, the outcome, um, then 20% or whatever, we'll start to see I would like to hope and be optimistic and say a decline in uh, suicide in a certain age demographic. You know, this is a very optimistic way of thinking, but we need to have new conversations because suicide has been skyrocketing for the last 20 years and the conversations have been the same. So let's have new conversations and new understanding of the needs of those that are struggling or going through it. And then also to go touch on what you were just saying, The content creators themselves, Um, let's say that you're a big social media influencer and maybe Instagram also still gives you anxiety or maybe when the comments people are there trolling you and you're getting depressed. Well, if you're getting depressed or you're feeling anxious from social media, what do you think your followers are feeling? You know, you might get picked on by trolls or bullies or these cyber bullies or things like that, but broadly if you are having this, maybe talk a little bit about that with your audience, you know, um, maybe open up to them a little bit more and maybe they can be more understanding. I know that in the last couple of months, I've been opening up uh, more and more to the When the Music Stops community about my struggles and the, the more that I am honest about what I'm going through, the uh, activation and the... Um, uh, the the uh, I'm losing my train of thought, but uh, essentially the interaction, sorry, the interaction of my posts and my stories goes through the roof based off of my authenticity. If I am talking, if I mention a post where I'm struggling and I'm hurting, it gets shared more, it gets commented more, it gets seen more, it gets viewed more um, versus if I'm like just telling you to do something. You know what I mean? Like, all right, everyone, go breathe today. You're doing wonderful. People are like, yeah, okay, great. You know what I mean? But if I'm like, hey, who else is having a really tough day today? 
I, you know, honestly, I felt a little suicidal earlier. I'm having anxiety. People are, they feel that you're speaking to them because if you're going through that and you're in this social platform, they're probably going through that too, or there is somebody that is. And that's how you're able to create a genuine, authentic connection and be able to support others that are going through the same thing as you. Exactly. Authenticity. People can relate more to what you're going through. We all are going through something, especially in the time of COVID. A lot of people are facing a form or level of anxiety. A lot of people are facing a form or a level of depression whether it is the actual mental health condition or if it's a symptom of the condition, people are facing it. People are struggling with it. So by opening up and being honest, people can relate, people can understand, and people can be like, wow, I'm not alone. And I think when it comes to suicide prevention, the idea of not being alone is key. No, I I mean, (laughs) so over the weekend, I was really having a tough go at it. And, um, Obviously, this will be months later, um, but I posted um, on there one of the one of the com- one of the uh, posts in my story was that I constantly am telling people you're not alone. I need to make sure that I'm believing it and I know it myself because sometimes being a mental health advocate and working with suicide prevention, we can feel uh, really isolated. I'm in a couple of group chats with. Um, other mental health advocates on uh, Clubhouse and um, um, Instagram, and we're always giving, and sometimes we're not thinking about ourselves, and sometimes it gets really, really hard, and we can, I know some people that have had some pretty tough breakdowns because, um, you know, we feel like we're alone, and that people don't understand us, and we are expected to show up for everyone all the time. And sometimes we don't show up for ourselves. So I was having a really rough weekend and, and I was just like, I, I kind of put it out there and I said, Hey, every once in a while, I want you guys to remind me that I'm not alone either. You know what I mean? Because uh, I, I'm doing my best to remind people that they're not alone, but sometimes I feel alone. I think that is just an amazing level of honesty because We all feel alone, especially when you're doing the work that other people aren't doing. When you're talking about suicide prevention, when you're advocating for mental health and mental health conditions, and you're raising awareness. And a lot of people don't want to engage with that. A lot of people don't want to hear those conversations. And then you get a lot of people who are struggling and they open up. You're continuously holding space or getting shut down. It can feel so isolating. And it's so important to remember that I'm also not alone. You're also not alone. And you can get through this. But those words of encouragement that we throw out to others to make sure we always bring that back to ourselves. Yeah, it's really important. Um, And because, you know, we we need to be able to be there for ourselves. And I've, uh, I had this idea of like creating um, a weekly or biweekly Zoom call with uh, mental health advocates. Um, you know, especially those of us that are completely built off of social media. So because social media, there's always a level of comparison. So, you know, I try not to do it, but you know, sometimes you look at another mental health account and you're like, oh man, they're, they're doing so good. I, you know, my account's not as good as theirs or their, wow, their posts are always so amazing. Like, you know what I mean? And so we get caught up as well, even as uh, mental health advocates and, and supporters and things like that, you know, 
And so I think that there needs to be a little bit of a community of us being able to be there for each other, because I think that, you know, uniquely I'm understanding of the work that you're doing and the struggles and, and things that you've been through and vice versa. Um, you know, where we get to show up and hold space for so many people. But um, I know that when I'm on a call with you, for, for example, you understand my struggles and the things that I'm going through more than most of the people in my life. I love that. Please sign me up. Let's, you need to start this because yeah. I think a lot of people, whether you are a mental health advocate, whether you are someone who's just on following a bunch of mental health pages, it can feel so isolating, whether it's your first time speaking out about what you're going through, or you've been doing it for years, it can still feel so isolating. So to have that community and have that support is so incredible. Josh, you have been absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for joining me today. No, thank you for having me. And um, if I have any uh, words that I'm leaving with anybody that's listening, um, it's to go check on somebody today. Um, you know, go check on your friends or your family and the person that you is the last person that you think has a problem or was they're doing wonderful and everything's great all the time. It's probably the first person you need to check on and just ask somebody if they're doing okay. You know, it, it could take a text message, a phone call. It could be on Instagram. It could be in person, whatever it is, um, you know, and, and the world uh, needs a lot more of us to just uh, reach out and, and give support to each other and be kind.